Earlier today, I started off by saying Memwega. That doesn't fit here. That's good morning. So I say Jumbo. Eventually, I'm going to teach you Swahili. And then I'll be able to come and I'll present my whole series in Swahili. Don't fear. I know Jumbo. I know Memwega, Asente, Caribou, and ah. Uh, that's it. I'm learning. <laughs> This trip has been a very exciting, and I want to tell you thank you for the prayers. The Word of God in one translation says, when you've done everything you can, stand and pray. I have had cases last, last October of 22. I left to agree to build a peace initiative and I laid my life insurance on the kitchen counter in case Belinda needed it. I was thankful she didn't, but there was a chance, and I didn't want her to leave her looking for it at that time. Not that I would know, uh, but uh, the trip has been very eventful, and I want you to notice, even under the persecution that occurred in Uganda, we had more baptisms in Uganda than we did in Kenya. The work is going well. You don't see it here. <laughs> ah, 43 baptisms in Uganda, 39 in Kenya. When I got back here, I've been going almost every day since. I arrived on a Thursday. I had Friday to put my PowerPoint together. Saturday drove to San Antonio, spoke, met with some elders Saturday evening, spoke at one congregation Sunday morning, spoke with another one Sunday evening, and I thought I had four days to rest. Well, the car decided it would take a rest. It broke down in the hotel parking lot. And I called Kia dealership, said, when can you work me in? They said, September 5th or 6th. I said, no. And the preacher said, I, I know a mechanic, been doing business with him for 20 years. He will help us. And they got the part ordered, tow truck got it, and fixed us, and we were off on our road the two days later. So three days later, I guess. So I've been going my four days of rest, turned out to be two days rest, and now I'm here, been here this morning, and uh, tomorrow we leave for Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, and come back home to Texas. So... Um, I do want to tell you again, thank you for the prayers. You know, the Word of God talks about how God puts a hedge around his people. And when the Muslims were attacking, Sister Jane came to my uh, hotel. She said, you have two choices. You can either leave and we take you to the airport now, or you'll go with these four officers and they will protect you until you're able to fly out to Kenya. And I looked at her and I said, well, what if I think that I'm safe in the hotel? She said, that's when I pull my gun out of the purse and say, you will go with me. Gentlemen, some women just have a little extra persuasion power. <laughs> so I went with the, with the four officers, and I found out Kenya men can eat a bunch, especially when they're not paying the bill, and I am. Uh, that, but they took shifts, and no one was sleeping all the time. Every time I'd wake, someone would be around. Every time I'd sleep, someone was at the gate 
guarding where I was. This was the tragedy. There were Muslims came from the DR Congo, and this was the Catholic girls' school. It didn't matter. They weren't Muslim, and they were set to kill them. They burned the building down with the girls inside, and then they went one by one after the fire died down, shot them, and struck them with machete. Satan is alive and well. Anything that we teach will bring the wrath of Satan. But we serve a powerful God. The Word of God tells us that if we put our trust in God, who else do we have to fear? If they take our life, who do we fear? We have a home in heaven. The congregation began four years ago at Mali Saba. Had 11 people, 11 Christians. And over the last 40, uh, over the last four years, we have planted and watered, and God has increased to 30 congregations. They started the process the last Sunday of each month. Congregations close to each other will pick one congregation, and they'll all come to that congregation. This was that Mali Saba had over 180 Christians that gathered together that day under a tent. It's a way of bolstering the fellowship among the body and encouraging small congregations to be big. The Word of God continues. We do classes all the time. And every class, we have people that like to ask questions, and we give Bible answers. We came in last time and we told you about the nine orphans. The nine orphans are doing well. There's, they're starting to, some of them speak some English, three of them, and the others are learning English. So they're, they're enjoying some time. Uh, this was their first day when they escaped the DR Congo and they were able to turn around and, that's not me. And they were able to sit and enjoy the first meal and the night they first got their night of sleep. From there, we invited them to come to the hotel where I was at. And for the first time in their lives, they enjoyed ice cream and soda pop. I thought they had already eaten lunch. So after they finished the ice cream and soda pop, they went outside and ran and played and all that. And then they came in and said, when's lunch? So we did a reverse meal. They had their dessert, and then we had uh, chicken, and we call it french fries. They call it chips. And then I went to their, showed up one day in their house, and they turned around, and I was sitting down, and they all just came and hugged me. They get my messages, they get my videos, I send to them. Uh, believe it or not, up to just a couple of days ago, I looked a lot like Santa Claus. Right. Even there I looked nice, but uh, I, and two and a half months of no barber, you look a lot like Santa Claus. Your beard grows out, hair grows out, and all that's missing is saying ho, ho, ho. Um, they also had fish. 
most of them had chicken. There were a couple of them that chose sloppy fish to eat. I never eat something that looks at me, but they do. There's Abraham. He gave me a message. His shoes from looking down looked like they were complete. Abraham is the little dancer of the nine, and he was dancing and dancing, and this was his final moment. He lifted up his foot, and there you saw his foot, not his shoe. And then we were informed that they need shoes, they need more clothes, they need help. But they're doing well. And this is the nine outside their gate. Our projects this year we have coming up needing to, because of the Muslim attacks, we need to turn around and put razor wire around the top perimeter of that fence for their protection. We have a group of 12 at another Christian's home, and we need to put razor wire there for their protection. Here we had, after we had the fellowship, they all gathered outside for a, one more picture. They were happy. They're looking forward to our trip back. I had time to be with two of the three groups, and then the Muslim attack occurred, and I was shuttled off to another part of Uganda. Uh, we also have where they're now being tutored. When you have children that have experienced the tragedy these children did, you don't put them into public school, not right away. They have to acclimate back to a new land, new language, and be able to cope with the tragedy and experience that they've endured. If you can just picture yourself, uh, if you've known people that have had house fires, that's difficulty. But when they lose their land, their country, all their kinfolk, everything they ever owned, and they start off in a new land, new language, around new people. That's a change. They have to learn to readjust their life. And they're starting that process. They're doing well. This is where they're, that's where they're being tutored. We have two tutors that come in every day, Monday through Friday. And they give them class lessons. And some, one of the lessons is English. They want to learn how to speak to me when I arrive. Then from there, this is the group of 12. They didn't come from overseas, over in the DR Congo. They came during COVID times. When COVID struck into Uganda, there were people, the parents just died, leaving the kids by themselves. And they would find the kids planting a few crops, trying to make a life for themselves, starving to death, and they turn around and gather them up and bring them over to Sister uh, Simway Jane's mother's home. And there she keeps 12 of them. There is also a lady who uh, her husband beat her almost to death. And she fled, and she's from a tribe that she could not return to her parents. So her mother, uh, Simway's mother, said, come here. You can help us. So she's there with her nine kids. So... Together, they, they have a congregation that meets there in the wall area, and we keep them fed, and we take care of needs they have. This is one of their kitchens, and that, ladies, this is a stove. 
How many of y'all would like to cook on a stove like that? You build a fire in the middle of the rocks, you put your pot there that you have your ingredients, and you do your cooking right there. This is the congregation that meets there in that area, and this is when they're being fed. They sit down in the middle of the floor, and the food's brought into them. In Uganda, many times our food is uh, rice and beans. Then when you get tired of rice and beans, you can have a variety. You can have beans and rice. <laughs> but after rice and beans, beans and rice is a little variety. This is Kitaswamba. This is where one Sunday morning, Brother Williams showed up to church, and they had at that time 26 kids from the DR Congo, their village had been slaughtered, came and were told, wait here, these people will help you. So that tells a little bit about the nature of the church there at Kitaswamba. Very loving. And this is where they are at church there. We've had some medical emergencies came in. This is Moses, a Christian. He ended up being bitten by a mosquito that had elephantitis. His leg grew. You can see where it was before. It got too much to where the skin broke open. And it wasn't long till he would have gangrene set in and he would die. So we took to the hospital. They did some tests and x-rays and determined that he could have it amputated and live. So we paid for the amputation of the leg, and this is where he's leaving out of the hospital and getting ready to go home. We are currently paying a person to show up every day to clean the wound, rewrap the leg, and have him continue the healing process. He knows my sense of humor, so I sent a word message to him. I said, you now have a unique choice. Do you want a female leg or do you want a male leg? Well, I heard back, he wants a male leg. And I said, okay, what color would you like? You want mazunga, orange, blue, green, striped? What color? He said, Ugandan. <laughs> so... Uh, he, his sense of humor is not quite to my level yet, but we're working on it. But he is thankful that he has life. He's thankful that he has a future. And as I told him, I said, our future is always in God, always. We had a situation that a sister in Christ had developed a tumor, and it had pro progressed outside the ear, and we had to hire a doctor to go in and surgically remove it. Uh, they were told that it was uh, malignant, but then when we asked for can uh, reports, medical reports showing that, they could not find them. In Uganda and Kenya both, the patients keep the records, not the doctors. So we went under the premise that it was malignant and she is to have follow-up surgery. This is after the tumor is removed and they're doing uh, radiation following up to make sure they can kill off any of the remaining parts that might come back. Uh, this is the family. This is the sister in Christ. These are her girls. I'm not part of the family, you might tell. Uh, they are, in, in Uganda and Kenya too, uh, they are puzzled at my hair. 
they, the hotel staff asked me would I leave them some of my shampoo, and they think that makes their hair the way mine is. But that one was just so fascinated, just kind of, <laughs> and how she could mess it up and it'd go right back. But they were very thankful for being able to watch over and that their mother may still survive. That is a great joy to them. We do a lot of feeding when we're there. In this trip, we had a number of times where the rain had not come and food was scarcity, and we were buying food and we're helping the Christians when we gathered together to have something to eat. And then we had this young man here who developed this spot right here, and we didn't know what that was, and then we sent him to the doctor when this area started showing up on his arm. I haven't got the report back yet, but that's something serious. It's not just a rash that's developed, and the young man's not even, I don't think, a year, maybe two years old. Then we had Brother Joseph, one of our oldest preachers, 77 years old. He had a heart attack. He had missed one day of the preacher's seminar, and the second day he was there, but the third day he had to go to the hospital. They diagnosed, you're having a heart attack. You need to rest. So they put him on oxygen, and he's resting. We, we will have a large medical bill on him. I don't know how much yet, but uh, he's improving. Then we have Ruth. I told you about Ruth last time, and I was informed at one point that she had died. And what took place was the board that approves patients said if she can't pay her bill, send her away, let her die. And the doctor said, no, she's Kenyan, we will take care of her. So they moved her from her bed to another area and treated her for the cancer that had returned. Uh, another doctor that came in that happened to be a cancer specialist that helped in her treatment this time, and she's doing better. This is her last day as she's leaving the hospital. We had lunch with her when we were in Nairobi. Joseph and I had lunch with her, and I told her, I said, you know, Ruth, I've never eaten a meal with a dead person before, but you look very good dead. And she, again, knows my sense of humor. She laughed for the first time in quite some time, but she is a very positive person. This was her before she had cancer. She loved life. And she learned to love Christ. They had at her tribe in, in Imbu County, uh, they had what they called a Thanksgiving ceremony. They were thanking God for her return back, that she could be back among them. Then the doctor told me, he said, Paul, her home is not ready for her to live in. She needs doors, windows, she needs a bathroom, she needs solar where she can have heat during the cold days. It's the cold temperatures, he said, that's causing her the problems. So we're undertaking this for her. She also has treatment of medicine that's originally started about $2,000 a month, U.S. dollars, for the medication. 
now she's having to take less and less, so she is improving. Her white cell and, and red cells and so forth are showing up very positive now. Then we have this sister in Christ that her house, her family's house was essentially washed away. They rebuilt parts of it, but they're needing doors and windows. Uh, they told me the other day that thieves thought no one was there and went inside thinking they'd steal whatever was left in there, but they were still living there. Then we have up in the widow's area, and I have not verified yet, uh, in 2015, the Congregation of the Lord's Church began on top of the mountain. The widows were the ones that named me my Uganda name, which is Mazareka. It means third son of my father. That's me. And as they visited with me, they said, "You are the. we've been here 12 years, and you are the first missionary to ever show any love and kindness to us. And a congregation was soon developed, and there was a time we had a visitor came with us, and he was up there with us, and he said, may I speak to them? I said, okay. And he stood up a minute, and he did this. How many of y'all want to go to heaven? Did you know you're lost? Their eyes were big. The very next Sunday, we had two that came back to church. And then we had Stephen come and start to go up to the mountain every day's visit, encourage. And now the congregation is about 30 Christians. Uh, every time they have people wanting to be baptized, they have to take them by motorcycle down the mountain to Cassisi, to where there's water in a river that they can baptize. So the children are sometimes left for two reasons. When there's lack of food, they go into the game reserve, and the government thinks it's fun to shoot poachers. So if they're there illegally poaching, trying to get food for their family, they can be shot and killed. Other point is that sometimes they become the meal with the lions in that area. So we're going to be going in this trip and we'll find out which ones are real orphans, which ones are the regular kids, and so forth. Kind of sift that out. Currently we care for 51 kids, 51 orphans. Every month we have a food bill. Every month we have rent to help pay for. Every month we have medical bills to pay for. And that's between 2000 to 2500 per month to take care of the orphans right now. We have an opportunity to go into the Saburo tribes and the Maasai and the Pakoto through the peace initiative I'm working with. We get to preach the gospel to these people and they've never met or known of the gospel of Christ. I told the chief, I said, I was not going to sit in a chair where they're sitting on the ground. I would like to be sitting among the people. So he looked at the women and he said, to, he talked to them and he was smiling the whole time. And I looked at him and I said, you didn't just auction me off to the women, did you? And he said, no, no, I wouldn't do that. And just a big smile on his face. He said, no, I told them that you are a good man and want to sit among them. Would that be okay? And they said, yes. So I came and 
sit on the ground. And I learned they don't move when they sit on the ground. I don't know how they do that, but I sat on the ground, and one position was not comfortable, another position was not comfortable. I finally was very thankful when it was my turn to speak, and I got to stand up. But through the process, we had over 480 there for that day, and they are very excited about our arrival, very excited about us being able to start teaching, not only teaching about English and other courses, but teaching about the Bible. We get to write the material. That's a major plus. We had some that chose to sit. Brother Ron Halbrook, I said, okay, you can sit in a chair because you're old. He's 77 years old. But uh, he, he got a chance to preach a lesson to them that day. The man right there in the green, not, not me, but the other one, uh, he said, I, I will believe when I see reality. I said, have you been lied to before? He said, yes. And I had a green pen, and I've watched a lot of Westerns. How many of you here have watched Westerns? Yeah. You know how they always negotiate with the tribes to where they learn trust? And I thought... I have a green pen today, just that same color. And so I got it, and I handed it to him. I said, this is my gift to you. Now, he didn't have anything to write on, may not know how to write, but it was imagery. I said, I want you to hold on to this pen, and when you see the buildings rise from the ground, you will know reality has come. He chose to be there that day that we all gathered together. And he turned around and came up to me and said, I'm seeing reality. For the first time in decades, we now see reality. We had a preacher seminar, 65 preachers. And we had two of the men died. One man was wrestling with some mental problems. He couldn't find job, work. He was suffering depression. He preached one Sunday morning and went home ahead of his parents and hung himself. I heard his parents wailing in sadness, not understanding why he took such an action. And then Stephen was walking along at night and tripped and fell, and he struck his head on a rock. The next day, he was dead, brain trauma. Stephen was known as a hard worker, always smiling. Every time I'd see him, he was smiling. He came into church late, and he had just labored the day before building a fence around Mali Saba. And he said, I overslept. I'm sorry I worked hard, and I was tired. But he was a hard worker for the Lord. He loved the Lord. And at his funeral, many, many people were there to say goodbye. We never know when the day will come that the Lord says our time is over. It is for us to be able to present ourselves and the work and have God say, well done, good and faithful servants. Here we had a widow that has three children. Her husband 
was a Muslim. He had obeyed the gospel, and the Muslims caught him, took him away, and then killed him. They found a month later his body. She was there living in a two-room house with her three children, trying to just get a little food each day. Her youngest child has rickets from a lack of nutrition. We'll be bringing some vitamin C and some other things from the U.S. trying to help the child. We have some people starting to help provide food for this family. They're getting a new bathroom. That's coming up. This is the one with rickets. And she was picked up once wrong and arm fractured. A serious in injury that she received. But we had, that was their old bathroom, and it's being replaced by these bricks that we're going to make for a bathroom. And then now she has food like fish, tilapia fish, and bananas that are being brought in to her. Every month they're getting food that they never thought possible. She told Sister Jane, I didn't think there were any people in the world that were like this, that would show so lo such love and kindness. But the love of God began while we were yet sinners. Christ came and died for us. The one problem the people that were sending money to help her had was they were eating guinea pigs. Now, we think guinea pigs as household pets. But when you don't have refrigeration for meat, you raise guinea pigs, and when they get big enough, have a meal. But you live with them. You pull the weeds and feed them. You nurture them alone until it's time for a meal. That's destitute. That's poverty. That's trying to survive. And now we're able to help a sister in Christ do more than just survive. Belinda and I will be going into... Uh, Uganda for two weeks focused on following up with the groups of orphans and also turning around and presenting classes, teaching classes to the lost. We'll then go two weeks into Kenya and then we have a door open to go for a week into Zimbabwe and then we'll be returning home the second week in November. When we were in, when I was in difficulty in Uganda, you all prayed. And I thank you very much for that. Prayers are answered. God listens, and God understands. When I first thought of mission work, I thought about in 2014 going in, teaching an elders class, and then coming home. But Uganda had a secret weapon. There was a little three-year-old girl that had never seen a white man before. And she didn't know English. But she walked through the men and held my hand and just looked at me while I taught for an hour. And then every day when I would show up, she would already travel from her grandmother's house through the jungle, picking up some friends along the way, and be there to greet me. By the end of the week... I preached that Sunday to around 850 people under tarp. And there was a group of 79 kids up front. 
And I said, who brought those kids? They said, your friend did. She'd been gathering them all week long, and this was their final say-bye to a Mazunga friend. I said, what is her name? They said, Winnie. They're like, win souls for Jesus. And I thought, if a little three-year-old can do that, how much more can we do for the cause of Christ? Being able to present Christ and him crucified, to share with people the life more abundant that Christ can give us, even in, in hard times that we have a future, a home in heaven. When my wife came with me this last time uh, in June of last year, uh, we got to meet Winnie and her family. And Winnie came in, she said, Oh, my mom, my dad. We have become her parents. She's now, I think, 13 years of age. But she still loves the Lord. She still focuses on Christ and him crucified. She still talks to her friends about the Christ. We present ourselves as living offerings to our Lord. We present ourselves to the world as representatives of the Son of God. And we share with them that our life does not have to be the way it is, but it can be better in Christ. Years ago, I used to think that missionary work was just going and teaching the Bible and coming home. It's more than that. It takes sacrifice, but it also takes Christians that sacrifice to help. When you think for just a moment about the story of the Good Samaritan, and I ask people, who would the man want to listen to? You had the group that beat him and robbed him and left him for dead. I don't think he'd want to listen to them. You had the two religious people that walked on the other side of the road as to not pay any attention to him. Again, I don't think he'd want to listen to them. But the Good Samaritan that took him and took care of the wounds, put him on his donkey, took him to town and got him settled in the inn, that's the man this one would want to listen to. We find ways to help people in many different situations that we have never been in. So we can thank God that we haven't been. They are in difficulty because they have no choice. And so your support, your prayers, your encouragement is very much needed. For those that would like to send messages, video, short video clips, uh, Reagan can send them to me through WhatsApp, and I can post them back to the orphans for them to see. They would love to see you. They may not understand you, but there will be someone that translates for you, you know, as it's being played. What they see is the effects of the love and kindness that is going on. 
Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the labor is few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of harvest will send forth reapers. I was thankful for your prayers. I was thankful for the hedge that God built around me to protect me. I was sad that these 47 girls were slaughtered. I don't understand the Muslim faith. I don't understand it at all. But I understand God. I understand Christ. And I understand the harvest field is ripe with people looking to the gospel. We have a choice in life. Do we walk beside or we take part of it? I pray that we take the part. My wife and I, and normally I will not take her in areas I have not ever been to. But with Zimbabwe, they said it's due to the peace initiative that we are doing, and it's meeting the president and first lady of Zimbabwe. So I told her, I think that's safe. I believe that's going to be a safe trip in. But it gives us a chance to spread the gospel further. We have, in a year and a half's time, the Lord has brought the Church of Christ to the mainstream. We are now known from the people of Kenya all the way up to the president of Kenya because we said yes when the need was there. The gospel is truly for all. We plant, we water, but Christ is the one that gives the increase. It's to his glory. And it's to his challenge that we step into areas that would be less comfortable than sitting there watching a football game, less comfortable than watching a basketball game or a baseball game, less comfortable than just sitting eating a feed of American food. <laughs> but they need to hear the gospel. I ask as we travel in October and November, you keep us in prayers. Earnestly pray for us. Pray for these 51 orphans. They have need every month. We're struggling to meet it every month. I just, I, as sometimes we get extra, I think great, and then we have a child that falls and cuts himself wide open here, has to be rushed to the hospital, sewed up, and uh, it takes money to fix those. Those that have had children in life, you understand that you don't plan ahead for the accidents of life. And they don't have insurance. We have to pay straight out. We are working now to start getting them ready to hopefully do some adoption or some hosting. Refugees cannot be adopted. They are refugees in Uganda. But we may be able to arrange where people could host them but they first need to be acclimated to where they are and know English. That would be the worst thing to put them in a country that they don't even have any bearing of. But there's some opportunities coming in the next few years. So if you have an interest, speak to Reagan, one of the elders, 
let them pass word on, and we'll start trying to see what we can do in locating the kids. Okay? I do thank you very much. I feel welcome every time I'm here. Uh, one man here told me, you look like a chief. And I said, well, I am a chief in Kenya. The chiefs all met together, and they said, it's not right for us to all be chiefs, and you're not. So we have now made you chief of the Mzungus. That's chief of the white men. I was the only white man they had to choose from for that privilege, but I am now a chief, Reagan. I am Paul Mwangi in Kenya. Chief Paul Mwangi in Kenya. I'm Paul Mazareka in Uganda. Paul Kaufman in America. I have no idea what my name will be in, in Zimbabwe, but it's coming. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, waiting for us to join him in a journey. We put him to the glory. We let him be the one that Psalms 23 is our shepherd that walks through with us. He will not abandon us. He gives us the opportunities to pray. As one passage in Ephesians would say, when you've done everything you can, stand and pray. You give it to God. You give it to his son. And you let the glory of Christ so shine. Are you doing the invitation or do I? Me. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the gospel is the same over there as it is here. To hear the word of God, to believe. To repent of sins, all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. So that's nothing new. But to confess Christ. And Christ said, I'll confess you before the God above. The God, the only God than to be buried with Christ in baptism, to be raised and to walk a new life. A life of use to Christ's glory. To be a servant of his. To raise up the son of the living God in all his glory so all man can see. If you have need to respond to that invitation, it's here now as we stand, as we sing. Have you a heart?